Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to season three of the Agile World, where we discuss customer and employee experience, organizational and workforce transformation, and how business can adapt and continually improve in an Agile age. The Agile World podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full stack technology services, talent services, and real world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed in this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, now available on Amazon and other retailers. Hi, my name is Greg Kilstrom and I'm the host of the Agile World podcast. Today, we're going to talk about adaptability and agility in customer experience and how CX is a shared responsibility within an organization. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Steve Pappas, head of US and CMO at Panviva and host of the podcast at scienceofcx.com. Steve, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. I've actually been really looking forward to being on your show. Thanks. Yeah, looking looking forward to it as well. I know we had a we had a few false starts. I think so. Glad glad we could make this this work. So <laughs> no problem. Looking forward to it. Uh, so let's uh, let's start about uh, talk about adaptability and agility and CX. Um, so when we did talk earlier and, and prep for the show, you mentioned that um, a great way to be agile in CX was to put in early warning systems so you can make quick course corrections. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and and how um, you know how you've seen it practically applied? Yeah, you know it, it's interesting because every business in the world needs to think about these early warning systems, and you know this is a great question to start out with because it doesn't matter if you're a restaurant. I mean, just let's just take that as an example. If you're in a restaurant and your food is being delivered, somebody is asking you how the food is. Somebody is asking you if it's to your liking, it, it, was it cooked properly, et cetera. Well, that's the restaurant's early warning system. And why do they have that in there? Well, they have that as a, as a set of checks and balances. They have that to make sure that they're providing you not only a great product, but a great experience and a great service. So if you take that even into some technology companies and maybe they produce software and they're selling software, those steps need to still be part of the customer experience journey. The checks and balances have to be in there because it's so easy for customers or, or those that we think are loyal to us to find another way or to find another alternative. We need to make sure that we are so customer centric in the process that we're not only looking at their entire journey, and we're looking at all of the signals along the way, but we can put things in place. I'll give you another example. Um, you know that I run the U.S. for a software company named Panviva, yeah. and we're a knowledge management company. Now, about seven years ago, we switched to being a cloud software company, which means you can access us through a browser anywhere. And when you switch from installed software to a, a cloud scenario, you, you also have the, the risk of customers leaving at some point. We call it churn in, the, in technology. And so to do that, to make sure that we have, have covered all those bases, because we're an extremely customer-centric company, and obviously my philosophy is, is the customer is absolute gold in every step of the way, um, I put various ways in there. 
one of the things that I did was I put in what we call a pro session. We call it the Panviva Pro Session. No matter what service they've bought, no matter what product they've bought, every single customer gets one hour a month to sit down with an expert. And they can decide, discuss things. They can look at new features, new products. They can uh, ideate a little bit about some new project that they've got coming up. Or the expert will work the problem for them in a brainstorming manner or what have you. And the reason why I put that into place is that you need these checks and balances, and I call them early warning systems, so that you're always getting the pulse of the customer. You're always understanding whether or not something is not right, something you could yeah. fix now rather than later. Does that make sense, Frank? Yeah, it does. It does. And that's, you know, that kind of leads to there's a there's an employee experience component to this as well, because, you know, I think, you know, you're mentioning there this software has a capability to, you know, enable communication, but there's somebody on the other end, um, whether, you know, whether it's in the restaurant example that you mentioned, where there's physically a server going and, and checking up and they can maybe they can read body language, even if the person says everything's okay. You know, if they're, if they're grimacing while they say it's fine, you know, they can right. kind of read the body language there. Um, you know, similar enough, different, but similar enough in, in the software world. It's like, there's, there's often a human on the other end of those things, re interpreting results and stuff. So, you know, how do you see that, that employee, whether it's employee experience or simply just the employee relationship to, to customer experience? Well, wherever there is a symbiotic relationship of employees operating in any kind of an interaction with a customer, it could be an interaction or it could be the transaction that, that's happening right then and there, or it could even be on behalf of maybe a supportive role, like a billing role or credit check role or something behind the scenes. The employee experience translates directly and gets transmitted exactly to the customer, meaning the customer recognizes when the employee is not feeling right whether they're not feeling right about something that's going on or their system is slow or something else. So the, the employee's experience can unfortunately be transmitted to the customer, which we never want. We never want to show that. We always want the, the customer to see our employees as right there, ready to help them, uh, able to support and provide the best of care. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's in a hospital or a healthcare situation, or it's at the local uh, electronics store, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the difference though, is we have to think about the employees when we have a CX strategy. So when a CX strategy gets put into place, it needs to be not only a top-down method, meaning the head of the organization or the head of strategy, could be a CEO, could be the owner, it could be the proprietor, whoever it is, is then putting a strategy in place that all others need to follow. But that doesn't take into account the fact that the employees are going to feel like something is thrust upon them. Even if it's a new CX strategy, a great one, they're still going to feel like, okay, I wasn't part of this right. solution. So I always advocate, and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show, um, in my simple CX uh, approach is that we have to we have to make sure that we are engaging the employees 
at the beginning of a CX strategy because they're the ones that are going to execute on it. They're the ones that are going to make it operational because you really can't say, well, we've made these changes, these processes, these procedures, these systems, these have all changed. And now you're going to execute on those. So maybe it's a call center and all of a sudden a new CX strategy is put into place. Some training might have happened, but when the rubber meets the road, how does operator number 27 in Omaha, Nebraska, realize what the changes were? Do they go over to a drawer and take out this big map, this customer journey map and figure out where they are at every every point? That's like driving down the highway and having the, the physical map up in front of your face. You know, yeah. you don't know where you're going and you can't handle what's thrown at you by the customer. So I always say that it's better for the employee to be part of the the process to uncover the gaps so that let's get them out on the table and let's let's have a sharing atmosphere so that they're not only part of figuring out where the problems and the gaps are but now you're going to have a very engaged switch on set of employees ready to carry out the new process and yeah. that translates directly to the customer and the customer can hear the smile in their voice. Yeah, I mean, because to your point, the you know you can have the greatest strategy in the world, but if no one is executing it, it's just a really um, nice document that someone created that sits on a shelf somewhere or exactly. on a desktop somewhere or whatever. And yeah, it's and so you know you you uh, referred to your uh, to simple CX to your 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 methodology. Why don't you explain a little bit more? Um, about that and you know how, how does it differ from some of the other uh, schools of thought? So I, I've been involved in CX as long as I can remember. Before it was called CX, it was called customer centricity. Before that, it was just you know how, how to handle the customer. And I pretty much had no choice in the matter. I grew up in a family of businesses. All of my relatives owned businesses. Matter of fact, when my family emigrated to the US from Greece, in the late 1800s, the first thing they did was they started a trucking company and a produce company. A few years later, they started a candle making company. So there's such a pedigree in me. And um, unfortunately, growing up, my dad died when I was five. And uh, so the only male figure that I had was an uncle who had 17 businesses. Oh. He had uh, concession type stands at amusement parks and racetracks and ballparks and at carnivals. So he would have those trucks that had the fried dough and the fries and yeah, the, yeah. And the sausage, Italian sausages and stuff. And um, on Saturdays when I had him, uh, or he had me, I guess, we would drive to different locations. I didn't know what we were doing. All I knew was I was going to go visit some like arena or I was going to visit a carnival or something and I was going to have a meal. He was mystery shopping. And I learned this very early on, but I didn't know what I was seeing because I used to grab, he used to write in this, this little notebook with the tiniest little pencil that he used to take his pocket knife and sharpen with. Uh, and that pencil was always behind his ear. And he would write things down, like didn't tip his hat. I didn't know what that was. And, and he would write things like cold, the food was cold or and he would sit back and I would say, how come we're not ordering? And he would say, no, we're just watching. And 
oh, okay, but I'm hungry. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. a little kid. Yeah, you're and, a kid, right? Yeah. And I, I was watching him just watch the business because people didn't know him. They knew the general manager of each location, but he would mystery shop at right and left. And it's it's like that throughout my family. So I had no real choice in the matter. But what I learned along the way was there are methods to how you treat, but you've got to feel it, right? You've, you've got to really feel and pain for the customer and understand the customer's problems. So I've, because I've been involved in customer experience from all the traditional methods of analyzing and mapping and going through the general um, accepted methods, what I found was there were a lot of gaps in there and I noticed that the employees weren't really well represented in most of the traditional methods, that um, it was hard for people, the, the general from middle management down to really grasp onto it. So I was looking at a lot of the CX strategies that just were not seeing the light of day because along the way, it started being like a game of telephone. You know, it would come down through the layers of management and all of a sudden it just fizzled out. Yeah. So what I set out to do was I really set out to do something that was, as I said earlier, a top down, but a bottom up so that everybody, including the transportation department, including the lunchroom department, including the, you know, the, the folks that handle the facilities, everybody can understand what CX is. They can understand how to do it and approach it from a very simplistic perspective and they can be part of the solution that's what i set out to develop with this methodology so that everybody understands it from day one and it's not hard it could be facilitated very easy you could yes you can go deeper with it and it could become an evolution so it's meant to even evolve within an organization but in a first pass Everybody has a say. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's 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 so important. I think. And so, you know, how do you? What's what is a realistic expectation as far as this may be hard to, you know, generally articulate. But what's a what's a realistic expectation for an organization to have that? You know, when when you talk about everyone understanding CX. What exactly does that mean? You know, how how in in the weeds are they getting, and and what 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 should the expectation be? That's a, that's a really good question because because the goal here is is not is not really to make it an in the weeds kind of a scenario, but to elevate people's thinking in the business, right? To to get them out of the weeds and get them thinking how we can get better in touch with our customers to develop better relationships so that we can scale and sustain a much longer relationship. And what that really means is, you know, how can we increase our business with them? How do we make them want to work with us more? Because we're making things frictionless and we're able to, to recognize our faults along the way because nothing's perfect but recognize along the way what we need to do. So this is more about changing mindsets and giving them a way to view how, how the customer relationship should look. 
Along the way, yes, you do recognize where the gaps are. Some of the gaps are not just internal. It's not just something that we do differently. Some of the gaps are externalized, and you've got to look at those because there are there are quite there are a few steps here, but nothing's hard about it. It's it's a very simplistic uh, type of approach, uh, so that you can really get into the mind of the customer better than than the traditional me methods. And at the same time, you get an actionable plan at the end of each step so that now you've got something to say, okay, well, here, here are the actions we've got to take. Let's put these into place. And then once we do that, let's move on to another one because yeah. it's, it's meant to be bite-size CX strategies. Nice, nice. I like that. What role does um, measurement play in that? Does you know? Does every is everybody kind of bought into that part as well, or like how, how you know, how, how I guess how read into you know some of the CX measurements is is the the average employee in that case? Well, there there are measurements at every step, right? So yeah. um, we we tend to use a slightly different scale. But there are measurements um, on every single step within the process itself. The again, not the traditional approach, but it's meant to be something that people have the ways of having their own checks and balances, no matter what job they do. Because not everybody really is is um, is thinking about CX. It should be something that is organic that just happens. It becomes. It becomes woven into the culture and into the fabric of the organization. It's just like, you know, when you sit down and you develop a new vision statement or a mission statement, how do you make that part of the fabric of the organization? Right. It's the exact same way. Remember, you, when you develop a vision statement, it has to be simple. It has to be attainable. And it has to be something that everybody in the corporation buys into. And your mission statement has to be what faces the world. Well, yeah. you need to do the same thing with CX. It's almost like when we talk about service, service level agreements, SLAs in all parts of business, it's almost developing a CXLA, your customer experience approach to that, you know, the CX level agreement. What are you as a company willing to promise your customer? Yeah, now, I, really, there are I like that. There are companies out there that make that promise. I mean, you can you can look at some fast food, Chick-fil-A versus others, right. right? You know, what's what's the promise you're willing to put out there in that statement, in the vision statement, the mission statement? Change it. Change it to be customer experience focused, right? And then make that promise and figure out how the organization backs it up and you could stick to it. Great things happen when you approach it from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really like that um, that way of looking at things. So, from uh, you know what I've seen and and what's often talked about is you know most organizations will say you know hey we love our customers and um, you know we want to do right by them and and customer service is key and so on and so forth. But when it comes to actually investing in meaningful improvements, it, you know, that becomes another thing, you know, often they're prioritizing short-term things and, and not necessarily keeping the holistic CX, um, you know, customer experience in mind. How do, what, what is your thinking in, 
in helping organizations to kind of um, prioritize CX initiatives? Like does, does simple CX and, and this, this way of thinking and getting everybody involved, like does that help with uh, making more meaningful investments? Well, it, it's, it's an interesting question because um, it doesn't need to be a big bang theory. Right. Yeah. It doesn't need to be done that way. What it needs to be is it, as I said earlier, it needs to be woven into the fabric. So it needs to be done in bite size, attainable and actionable steps because CX in general is never done. It's right. a living, breathing organism within the within the business. So because it's never done, how do you, how could you ever approach it with a big bang? You can't. You have to have that that organic growth and buy-in from every level of an organization. So by looking at it in a more simplistic view, you have a better chance of it penetrating all of the layers within your organization. And since you're looking at it from the outside in, from the customer's perspective inward, now the customer gets all the benefit of all that work. Yeah. That's the, you know, that's the approach. There are, there, you know, there are multiple steps um, and, uh, you know, I could share stuff with your, your listeners if you want and show notes or what have you, but there are also exercises every step of the way. It's an exercise. There's nothing hard about it, but the exercises make the, the uh, team members and you could do it on a zoom call or whatever. They make the team members start to think through the customer's eyes. And they start to look at it that way. Actually, one of the first things that we do, one of the very first things is let's define uh, customer experience. Now, that sounds very simplistic and maybe overly so, but think about defining the customer experience in your words, you as a, an individual or as a consumer yourself. How would you define customer experience? And then think about, Put yourself in the in the shoes of your customer. How would they define customer experience by doing business with you? Then look at how does your company define customer experience? And immediately, I guarantee you'll see gaps. Yeah. You will see drastic gaps just between those three things. If that's the case, you've got a little bit of work to do. It's attainable, but there's a little work if there are gaps in we're not all aligned. If you're not aligned as an individual, as an employee, the customer might not be aligned because they have different expectations of doing business with you. And the company might have different expectations. Maybe they're a VC run organization or they're operating out of an exit strategy. And, you know, maybe they push product out there before it's time or, you know, there could be lots of factors, but how they define customer experience as a at a company level is important because that's immediately going to translate it to the individuals at the employee as well as out to the customer. Um, and you know how easy is it to do business? You know, do they have to traverse all the silos in the organization and go from one department to another to another, or is there a way that it's all tied together in an easy way to navigate? Yeah. That's one one thing to think about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Love it. Well, yeah. And I definitely recommend uh, people checking out the um, 
the, the process and, and, and everything. Well, um, one, one last question before we wrap up. Sure. Um, you know, with, um, competing priorities, I mean, you know, we're, we're all, we all have lots going on and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, two days never being the same. How do you, um, how do you pre prepare for days when you need to, um, you know, kind of course correct through the day. Like what's your, you know, just like CX, um, you know, has those course corrections throughout the process. Like how do you help prepare for the day and, and just, you know, just stay agile when you're, when you're working? It's a, that's a great question. And it's one that I teach all of my employees too, um, as well as, you know, during the CX process. But the, I'm, a, I'm still a little old school when it comes to setting up the day. Right. Yes, everything is in my electronic uh, calendar and what have you, but that's not my full task list. I approach the day from a task list perspective, like what do I need to get done today? Now, the way I the way I handle it is I order it by toughest and most distasteful things first. So. Sometimes you'll find at eight or nine o'clock, I make the hardest calls or I deal with the thing that maybe I'm not as sure about or I need to research more. So I look at the day from start with the toughest and the things that can be distasteful to do at, at times. And there are probably better words to describe that, but I think it gets the point across. And then the rest of the day is a breeze. Now, what, you, what you've done is you've actually carved more time into the day because with what we've all been through, you know, those three-minute conversations at the coffee machine or at, at the water cooler, those don't happen anymore. Those three-minute decisions that could have happened when you just jump into somebody's office or you're at the whiteboard in the conference room and you pull someone else in and say, hey, let's work on this, that doesn't exist anymore. So now our days are filled they're absolutely chock filled with minimum 30 minute Zoom or Microsoft Teams right. uh, meetings when we really could have done it in a three minute face to face at the whiteboard or at the coffee machine. So the problem we have now is time has become the biggest variable. So to get our time back, start with the hardest so that you have the easier part the rest of the day and it allows you to course correct during the course of the day. So I always block out the first couple of hours of the day and I knock out the harder stuff and the rest of the day gets easier. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, because I mean, you kind of, I at least my, from my perspective, like if you don't do that, I it's occupying some real estate in, in my mind, whether or not it's like I schedule it out to do the tough stuff later in the afternoon. It just, yeah, it does. It just it weighs on you somehow. I, I like I like that approach. I, or it I, makes it onto tomorrow's list. Right, right, and then <laughs> and then yeah, then you take it with you overnight, and which is right. even worse. And yeah, yep. that's ever since we talked last, I you know that I, I took that to heart because I think it's um, I think it's a, a valuable thing for for people to understand. Um, well, yeah, well, uh, Steve, thanks so much for joining the show. Um, for everybody listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Well, they, they can uh, get me at uh, scienceofcx.com. Uh, they can email me at scienceofcx at gmail.com. And I'm happy to 
provide any information around the simple CX uh, process. Uh, and, um, you know, hopefully it helps them. Great, great. Well, again, I'd like to thank Steve Pappas, head of US and CMO for Panviva and host of the podcast at scienceofcx.com for joining the show. Thanks for listening to The Agile World with Greg Kilstrom. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile World podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, from my website at theagile.world.